If you have your Bible with you, you can make your way to Galatians. We'll be there starting off tonight. Thank you, Hillary and your team. I appreciate that. You definitely didn't want me to be the one leading worship this evening. That's for sure. Um, um, If you noticed um, the artwork out here, On the side, uh, as you walked in, there was a big picture. It said, letting Jesus change your perspective. And as we go through this summer, as we're working into official, quote, launching, meaning we meet every week, we'll be talking about different perspectives that we have and, and how the gospel affects that, how the gospel will give us the correct perspective in which to live by. And to do that, we're going to use various characters throughout Scripture to, to see what to look at. Because we can't just look at Jesus. You'll understand what I'm You can't just look at Him because He didn't have to change. He was what He needed to be. And so to understand that change that He didn't have to have, that He lived to give us, we can look at people in Scripture, and we can see how He changed their lives and then see how that same change can happen in ours. And that's why we're, we're letting Jesus change our perspective. And we're, we're going to do that today through Paul because we're going to find that we naturally see the world through our own selfish perspective. But when we really dive in and understand what the gospel is, it can only reveal the true perspective to which we live by. And I was thinking about perspective. It's interesting. You always hear you got to know the context for everything. We live in this society of sound bites and YouTube little clips. And you can make someone's speech really support anything you want. You can change something if you just get a little sound bite. You saw it in the elections and all that. That's the best place. There's one sentence, and that defined everything that they said because you didn't have the proper perspective. You didn't have the full view. And I was thinking about that. And there's, uh, there's a guy... Um, who does, there's a bunch of people, this one guy's name is Julian uh, Beavers or Bevers, I think, and he does this 3D art. If you can, you might have seen some of these pictures where when you're looking at this, it's like the bottom one I kind of like because there's this giant snail attacking the lady on a bench. Um, but you, you see that this is cool art. It looks like it's coming off of the, of, the, of the sidewalk. Literally, if you're walking down and you're on this view right here, it looks like it's standing up in front of you. But then if you change your perspective and you see it from a different view, you can see that it's not near as attractive. It's not near what it should have been. And today, this is what we'll see. We'll see the difference between the incorrect or selfish perspective that we naturally see and the true gospel perspective that only Christ can give us. So we'll begin to look at our lives in the proper perspective. If you will, uh, in Galatians 1, we're going to start in verse 11, and this is Paul to kind of set where we are. Paul has just started this letter to the churches of this area, modern-day Turkey, if you want some geography there. And, And he had just told them that, I can't believe that you're already turning from the gospel. I can't believe that you've already turned from that. And then in verse 11, he starts giving his perspective on why he can't believe they're doing this. He says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel was preached by me 
is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. You have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Verse 10, 15, he continues, But when he would set me apart from before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And so what we see there is Paul setting why his authority as an apostle, he's, he just told them that it's not man's gospel. This is not something that I created. And we see in this short passage right here, part of Paul's life, and it reveals two different perspectives, two different ways that he lived his life. And it's those different perspectives that we'll talk about today and that we'll find through some of his defense and acts what actually that did. So if y'all will pray with me real quick, we'll ask the Spirit uh, to, to come and to guide us through this this evening. Father, we thank you that you have given us truth. We thank you that we don't have to seek for it, but it's readily available, that you've given it to us in so many forms that we can approach your word to now. God, I just pray that tonight your Spirit would guide us that, that we would seek to follow your direction, not our own. That, that your word would truly be living because your spirit is revealing it in our hearts. Because that's the only way we can truly grasp what you've given us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When you, when you look at Paul's life first, if you want, keep a spot in Galatians. I'm going to make you work a little bit tonight. Sorry about that. But uh, if you'll turn to Acts, just flip over to Acts 22. And what we see first is that Paul, Paul's life started out in a natural perspective, in a natural way. He lived his life just how it naturally came to him, just as we do. Just as we did. We were born, you just lived your life. There's, there wasn't anything special as far as why he did that. He was just human. He just lived his life. And, and we see that this perspective that he had is the exact same perspective the world has these days. There's nothing different between Paul 2,000 years ago and us now as far as how he just started living his life. You see in Acts 22, verse 3 and 5, this is when he's starting to become on trial. He's starting to defend himself. In Acts 22, in verse 3, he says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Sicily and brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers. Being zealous for God, as all of you are this day, I was persecuted this way to death, this way being the church that Jesus had established, binding and delivering to prison both men and women as a high priest and the whole council of elders can bear witness. From them I received letters to the brothers and I journeyed towards Damascus to take those who were in there and to bring them in bonds to Jerusalem. If you'll turn to 26, just real quick, we get another glimpse of this story and then um, we will see really who he was. 
In Acts 26, verses 4 and 5, it says, My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial, and he goes on to his defense. But what we see in those few verses there is that Paul was just an ordinary person, but ordinary in a sense of his nature. He, he was educated. And the only thing really that was different about Paul than a lot of normal people is because he was an elite person. Paul is educated by Gamaliel. You see in another part of Acts where he was actually one of the leaders of the Pharisees. So it wasn't just a regular education. He had the best education you could. He was born a Jew, but he was a Roman citizen also. Not by paying for it, but by birth. So Paul was a special person. And, and when you see this, you realize really why all of a sudden he reacted the way he did when the church came up. When, when Peter and the apostles started the church, you can see why he reacted that way. Because the natural perspective is selfish only. The natural perspective is, is selfish. And so when he sees this church starting to happen, you see this movement. And when you, when you first read about it in the early part of Acts, 3,000 people are being saved daily. I mean, the, the church is exploding. At this point, I should mention that if you read Acts 8, when you talk about when he first introduced to Paul, you'll see that he was Saul. So I better throw that out there if you want to look for that. But, but Acts 8 is when we first see him. But he was lashing out against this church, not because he didn't like the church, but because it threatened what he had. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the important people. He was known. That's why he says in Acts 26, that they'll testify if they're willing. So it's not that Paul was just this no-name person. He was literally a known person. He was one of the best of the best. He had counsel with the high priest. He wasn't an ordinary person as far as who he was, but he was an ordinary person as far as how he lived. His perspective was selfish. And, and that's when we have to, to look at ourselves, and, and we look at Paul, and we see that his perspective was so selfish, we have to ask ourselves, is that our perspective? Are we truly living life? If we've heard of Jesus Christ, if, we've been, if he's been revealed to us, are we living through his perspective or our natural perspective? Because, see, the natural perspective can change. It can deceive us. It can deceive it can, it can get us to the point where we say we're bringing glory to God, but it's only in something that we've just accomplished. So really, it's not bringing glory to God. It's bringing glory to God to what we just did, which means bring glory to myself. And see, that's that natural perspective. It's selfish. It wants us to go and it blinds us to our needs of something better. It blinds us to our needs of something beyond us. Because at some point, we're going to look on our lives, and we're going to see that we're still wanting something. You may have known someone that way. Everything was going for them, but they're miserable. It's because their perspective isn't the true perspective. Because they live for themselves, and they can gain all the stuff that the world provides, yet not have enough, because it's not the right perspective in which to view the world. It's not the right perspective in which to go. But the best part about that 
as we see in, in Galatians. If you still have your finger there, go back. The best news about this selfish perspective that we see is the fact that despite our efforts, despite our efforts, we look at Paul's life and we look at our lives and really, you didn't want to change, did you? Did you really want to? If you've had that encounter with Christ and you've, you've understood and you've heard the gospel and you changed, you didn't really want that before you had it, did you? No, you're living your life. It might have been a very comfortable life. And that's the same thing Paul did. He didn't want to change. His life was good. We can look at that and be like, I wish I had that. He had status. He had influence. He was most likely wealthy just to be where he was and to have the education that he did. He didn't want to change. He didn't want to change. But in verse 15 there in Galatians 1, he says, But when he who had set me apart before I was born, had called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach among the Gentiles. As you see there, he didn't want to change. God changed him. Do you see that? But when he had set me apart, this was God had set him apart before he was born. Paul didn't want that change. Paul didn't ask for that change to start with. God set him apart and was pleased to reveal his son to me. This is a picture we get of God the Father being a proud parent. He's pleased to reveal his son. And that's a glimpse into this next type of perspective. This next perspective is, is the gospel perspective. But it's an inward perspective first. And that then when we look at that, it seems odd to say that the gospel perspective, the true correct perspective is inward. If you glance at that, well, wait a second. You just said the natural perspective was selfish. Wasn't this selfish? If it's an inward perspective, if it's thinking about myself. I would say no, because it's inward because it's life-giving. It's inward because God starts in the heart. The gospel call is bad news first because it tells you that you're a sinner. If you're not a sinner, you don't need the gospel. So it's this inward, it's this inward call. Then you see Acts 26. This is the last time we'll, we'll be back over Acts 26. I know you're flipping a lot. I apologize. In Acts 26, it says, And now I stand here on trial because of the hope and promise made by God to our fathers. Because God, our fathers, this hope that I have in them, it's this inward call. The gospel is inward first. And you see that when you look at the when you look at the encounter on the road to Damascus, it's noon. I'm going to read it. I'll just tell you. It's noon. They're on their way in the desert, and a light shines. And Paul's immediately blinded. No one else is. Paul's immediately blinded. And then he has this conversation with God. And he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Isn't it hard to kick against the goads? That's a weird comment, I think. 
What in the world is he talking about? Isn't it hard to, to kick against the goads? And, and we see, though, that if you look up that, the goads, what they t- were talking about, what he's referencing is at that time when they would plow fields, they'd have the oxen, and apparently oxen were stubborn at times. I guess most animals that are strapped to something and made to work would be stubborn, I guess. I guess I would. If you strapped me up and made me work, I'm going to be stubborn. But they would have a, a, this way of kicking and breaking the stuff behind them. So they came up with this cool idea of, let's put this bar on the front with spikes. So when they kick back, it pokes them. Seems logical, right? Oh, that works. Well, every now and then you'd get a more stubborn oxen. You could say a dumb oxen. And they would kick, and it'd hurt them, so they'd get mad. So they'd kick again, and then it'd hurt them, so they'd get mad. And it was this process. It'd just keep kicking again. And that's what we see Jesus referencing that is it hard to kick against the goat? He's basically, you're persecuting me and you're not getting anywhere. Why? Because the inward hadn't changed yet. Because if you don't understand the, that your ways are futile, that fighting God is futile, you're not going to go anywhere else. It has to start on the inward side. It has to start on the inward side. You don't have to turn here. We see this picture in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36, 26, it said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And you will remove, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. That's the inward call of the gospel is that he's going to change you on the inside. He's going to change you on the inside. Just as Paul was walking in the desert, he was blinded. He was changed internally first. He was changed internally first. But we have this, we have this idea now, and sometimes in culture that, in Christian culture, that if you don't have this crazy backstory like Paul, that it's not worth it. That it somehow wasn't as good. Because you could see Paul, he... In the, in the first part of Acts, most of your Bibles, when they split it up in the verses, it'll say, Saul's ravaging the church. I mean, it wasn't a little thing that he was doing. He was known for this. And then all of a sudden, he's changed in an instant because it's an inward call. And we have this idea that if mine's not that drastic, that it doesn't mean anything. But the very fact that it's an inward change proves that it's the exact same. Because the inward side that God's working on is the same. It's death to life. We are dead in our transgressions, but are made alive in Christ. So we see that just because Paul has this crazy story, that's not what we need to focus about. We need to focus about that God saw him in his craziness and chose to change him on the inside. He chose to change him on the inside. And then that brings us to the next working of this perspective. The next part of the gospel perspective is the outward. Because if someone's changed your life in such a dramatic way, the only response is worship, and then you're going to tell people about it. Right? If anything good happens to you, don't you brag? And I do it when I get to eat good food. I'll take a picture of it and text it to people. I want to tell people, I'm like, hey, look what I'm having here, you know. Sometimes it's, it's good and sometimes it's bad. But it's, it's that idea that when we find something worth keeping, it's really not worth keeping because we want to pass it on. 
And it's the same thing with the gospel. It's the same thing with the gospel. In Acts 26, towards the end of this story where Paul is giving his defense, he's giving his defense and then in 26, but we see in verse 16, Acts 26, verse 16, it says, this is Jesus speaking, Paul's relaying what happened. He said, but rise and stand up on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I, will, I am sending you to open your eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So we see there that even though we're saying that the gospel call is an outward call, that's what it was intended for. Is there Jesus didn't change him just to change. He changed him with a purpose. There was a purpose for it. There was a purpose for that. And that was to bring glory to his name through the preaching to the Gentiles. He had Paul set apart for this purpose. But it's the same call that we have. It's the end of Matthew. It's a great commission. Go and make disciples. It's, it's this inward change that results in this outward expression. You see that from the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. It's this inward change that you see because we're going to bring glory to God. But oftentimes we, we have this tendency, and I did too, we have a tendency to sit, and before I was working towards planting a church and all this, and before I was ever in vocational ministry, we always have this idea that it's for those people to do it. It's for those people to do it. But, but in reality, it's for everyone. Because you've all been changed internally. So you all have a unique story to go outward with. The gospel is outward. I can't reach people that you can reach. I can't reach people that you can reach. Because I'm not called to. But, but we're called to share that. Because it's good news. That's what the gospel is. It's that you were dead in your sins. And Christ died for you. So how do you do that? Because that's really all that matters. We can talk about this all day long. We can see what happens. But if there's no true meaning in how that actually works out, then it's really for nothing. It's, it's really nothing. And the way you, you realize this perspective and the way you stay honed into this perspective is to remember the truth of the gospel anyways. You preach the gospel to yourself daily. You remind yourself that I didn't do this. Christ did. Because then it doesn't matter. Because if, he didn't, if you didn't do anything to change yourself, then the person that you're sharing the gospel with can't do anything to change their self. It's all in God. He is the master of the results. So this gospel call, this outward call, is what you do. That's why we're planting Watershed Church. It's to be an outward expression of the inward change we felt because we want people in this area to hear that, to see that, to be close to that. That's why on the, if you saw the little sign coming in, it said, integrating the gospel into 
lives one relationship at a time. It's integrating because it literally replaces. You have to fit that in. Not that it should, shouldn't be a priority, but well, I'll do that on this time. It's integrating because it's changing your perspective. It's fitting it to your life and redefining everything about that. Because you don't have to change first. If you hear anything, hear this. You don't have to change yourself first. In fact, you can't. That's the joy of Romans 5, 6, that while we were weak, Christ died for the ungodly. While you were weak, he didn't say get strong so that I can use you. He didn't say fix your past stuff so that I can use you. He said, no, I'm going to use you despite that because I can change you. Because if we look at Paul's life one last time, we see that he was this known person. He was very influential, very intelligent. He was devout. He was zealous for what he did. And then he was changed by the power of the gospel. And then what happened? He was very educated. He was very devout. He was zealous in the exact same manner he was pre-conversion he was after. Why? It was his perspective. The same gifts that he had been using to persecute the church were the exact same gifts that Christ leveraged for his job, for his call. It's, so it's the gospel literally is an outward expression, and it's just using the gifts that you already have. It's not creating new people as far as your physicality. It's creating new people by bringing dead people to life so that you can go out. And that's the beauty of it. Is you don't have to change. That's a, that's a huge thing in our society right now is you've got to get yourself better, whether it's through working out or eating right or getting a better job and making more money. You've got to change yourself to be better. And that couldn't be more counter to the gospel. The gospel says you are broken, you are miserable. But I'm going to use you because I love you. And that's the beauty of the gospel. And so you don't have to fix yourself. It does it for you. Christ died literally 2,000 years ago for your sins. And that's the news of the gospel, that you didn't have to do anything. But maybe you've already heard that. Maybe you've already actually understood that while you were a sinner, Christ died, but you're, you're having a hard time. You can't, you can't seem to fight off because we forget that we're justified in Christ, but yet there's still the sin nature that we have to battle. There's still that natural perspective that tries to force its in. It tries to force its way in. It tries to focus it on our lives. But that's when you realize, as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, that he beats his body and makes it a slave. He's not talking about working out. He's talking about literally pushing back the sinful desires because you have the strength to resist sin in your life. Because Christ is in your life. If he has revealed himself to you, if the Spirit has made you alive, you have the power to not sin. Will you always win that battle? No. Can you win that battle? Absolutely. Because it's an inward change. You preach the gospel to yourself. If you haven't heard that, that's the best news you could ever hear. That you don't have to do anything. The gospel is good news because it starts with you being sinful and it ends with you being saved and you did nothing for it. 
Christ did that for you because he loved you. He willingly died for you. And that's what makes it such a pretty picture. And that's what makes it such a true perspective. Because we can see the world differently because we see it through Christ's eyes instead of our own. We see it through love instead of hate, instead of frustration. And the gospel changes that perspective and shows us that while people might be hard to get along with, there are sinners in need of a Savior just as you were so we can love them the same that we were loved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can encounter you. We thank you that while we were sinners, Christ died for us, that you sent him before we were born, you called us and gave us your son when we don't deserve it. God, I thank you for that. And just pray that we would remind ourselves daily of the inward change that the gospel gives us and the outward expression that results that we might live in that truth, that our perspective would be that of the gospel and not of our sinful, selfish nature, that we would fall back on your strength and your son. And it's in his name I pray, amen. If you have any questions about anything we talked about or what's next for Watershed, um, I'll be up here and or anyone that is on launch team wise, if they're brave enough to tell you, they can tell you all the things. Other than that, thank you all for being here. We'll, we'll have a couple weeks. We'll have another cookout and then another preview service. But um, I just wanted to leave you with the, the fact that you can live through the gospel perspective if you allow yourself. So go and do that this week. Thank you all.